Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you. I thought about what to share with it being Mother's Day. One, uh, I, I think it's wonderful to honor mothers, but we ought to do that every day of the year. Uh, we ought to honor our mothers all the time and not simply at one opportunity that we have. And I appreciate uh, Sister Autumn sharing that uh, there is both within the church those uh, who, are, who are mothers because they've given physical birth, but there's also mothers within the congregation who are spiritual mothers that uh, we also uh, want to honor. And that is the unique situation that we find ourselves in uh, within the church, a beautiful situation. And I want to speak a little bit uh, about where our culture is and also uh, where we ought to be as uh, believers. Uh, you notice in our culture today, uh, if you're just to turn on the news for a little bit or listen around to what is going on, if you, if you, if you tune in to what is happening, our culture is rapidly moving toward uh, this uh, notion of men and women uh, looking the same, androgyny, just kind of no distinction between male and female. And you may think, well, that's just a cultural thing, but it's actually, uh, it's actually a spiritual battle or an affront against God's creative purposes in the book of Genesis. God has created us uh, very distinct as male and female. That was his intention. And so we can't come to a place in, in, in a historical way and say, well, that doesn't really Im impact us anymore. That's not really important for us to think about that uh, gender is something that a doctor assigned to you at birth, but he might have been wrong. Uh, you know, our culture points us in that direction to where I've heard the term in reference uh, to women, not simply uh, using the term women, but using uh, the term birthing person. Uh, that's how far our culture has gone and is trying to move away uh, from what has been traditionally understood even a few months or a few years ago. And we can't uh, take this understanding and think that, you know, this is just our culture gone amok. As the church, what we have to see and understand is this is actually a spiritual battle that is taking place because God has created them male and female, and there is beauty and distinction in male and female. If all of us were to show up and we all had the same hairstyle, we all had the same body style, we all had the same clothing, and we all looked exactly the same, it would be a pretty boring world, wouldn't it? That's not the way God has created. You look outside and you see the creation. We just look outside that window or we look outside that window and we see the distinctives in, in green and we see the beauties of springtime coming along and we see the distinction in bushes and trees and flowers that are happening because God is a God of creative beauty. That's why in the church we want to be careful not just simply to, to walk after things that are simply utilitarian, but we want to take the time to step back and appreciate God's truth and beauty. And this is how God has created us. And I think on Mother's Day, of all days, we have to honor not just what it means to be a mother, but also what it means to be a woman. That there is a distinction 
between men and women. And it's a beautiful distinction, and I believe it's a complementary distinction. So on Mother's Day, I think about Mother's Day. Um, I think about my own mother, obviously. Uh, I think about my wife and the, the mother that she is. And I could share more about that at another time, but this morning as I was thinking and praying, I thought I'd share about two uh, women who had influence in my life. One, uh, a spiritual mother who doesn't know she was a spiritual mother. And uh, two, another uh, lady who I'll introduce in just a, a moment. The first lady's name, uh, I probably met this lady two or three times in my entire life, and it was at revival services when I was about 13, 14 years old, uh, struggling with the call of God on my life. And I remember going forward during those revival services uh, for prayer, and um, an African-American lady named Altamish Johnson came and would uh, pray for me. And that was probably the first time in my life that I can remember someone prophetically praying over me, speaking into something that I had never shared with her, that she didn't know me, uh, the saying from Adam, uh, and uh, was uh, speaking into my life through prayer about what God was speaking and what God was dealing with me internally. A spiritual mother, someone who was willing to act in the grace of the Lord to someone who was not her biological child. I don't know if she ever had children. I don't know if she was married. I've tried to look her up on the internet to say thank you. I can't find her. Uh, maybe she was an angel of which I was unaware. I don't know. Uh, but I do remember very specifically her name, and I remember very specifically the opportunity that she took uh, to pray uh, for a young teenager that she didn't know, but God used her to speak very specifically. And so I would say to you this morning uh, that if you're here and if, you, uh, if you're a lady, if you, if you don't have children, if your children are out of the home, uh, look around you. There's children in the sanctuary that need your influence. And some of them, their parents may not even know the things that God is dealing with them on the inside, but God may prophetically speak to you uh, even in these prayer times about what is happening in our life, just as God did in my life many, many years ago. The second lady that I'd like to uh, introduce uh, you to is my wife's grandmother. Uh, she didn't know I was going to do this, but my wife's grandmother uh, actually wrote a little historical book uh, toward the end of her life about uh, her journey uh, with the Lord. And what's interesting about my wife's grandmother is back in uh, the days when uh, women were not uh, active in any kind of front leadership roles or not permitted to be active in any kind of front-end leadership roles, um, my wife's grandmother uh, felt a stirring and a call of uh, the Lord. And I think it's interesting about the book uh, that she wrote. I've told you a few things about her before, a couple of them. Uh, I always remember is that every time she answered the phone, uh, when she answered the phone, she said, hello, Jesus loves you. Every time you called her, every time uh, she picked up the phone, hello, Jesus loves you. And the other thing that would happen is she was part of, a, of uh, in the area in Tennessee where she was, was one of the um, uh, 
more well-attended churches in the area, and uh, it, it would often have you know preachers every several years that would be appointed to this particular congregation, and some people liked them and some people didn't. And I suppose that may be true in every church, certainly not this one, but others. Uh, and uh, <laughs> and uh, they would come to her because she was kind of a mother of the church. They would come to her sometimes and in the course of conversation complain about the preacher. And she might listen for a little while and uh, then she would make a response to them and say, well, he has his good points too. Let's pray for him. And she would get on her knees and begin to pray. So I wanted to share with you uh, just a little bit about what she wrote. I'm going to share a portion now and a portion towards the end of uh, the, the message. Uh, indicating just joy in the way a woman can have joy in the circumstances that exist in her life, even though they may not be the full realization of what God is going to do. One other thought about uh, Grandma Lambert is that she felt her calling uh, was to share the gospel. She had an urgent desire in her heart to share, preach the gospel. And she would go to churches and her words that no man wanted. So little churches in Illinois, in Florida, in Arkansas, that no man would go to. And she would share the gospel and preach until God raised up a man, and then she'd find someplace else to go. And we'll talk about, in a future time, um, the beautiful and distinctive roles that God has called us to. But as she preached and shared the gospel, um, she said, I realized full well that not all ministries are from the pulpit. And I didn't mind playing the piano, singing in the choir, teaching the children's Sunday school class, or going to the ladies' quilting get-togethers. Once there were only two or three of us that showed up to quilt, and of course we were griping about the ladies that didn't show up. <laughs> One dear old sister remarked, but we will be rewarded for every stitch we make. And that has stayed with me through the years. Not that we were doing anything just to get a reward, but it did help me to realize that what we do in any way to serve the Lord is worthwhile. It is he who sees right down in our hearts and knows what we are doing. My, my, how many fish or chicken dinners have some of us helped with? How many donuts have we made after rising early in the morning to get the oil hot, cut out the donuts, and fry them and deliver them long before the days of Krispy Kreme? We were doing our part to help the church have money to pay the bills, pay on the building fund, or to send to missions or to the children's homes. And God was big enough to do the rest. This is a lady who uh, was invited to come and teach Sunday school at a church in Florida, and the entire family moved to Florida. And for about eight or nine months, lived, uh, uh, had a tent of, uh, in the beginning, uh, slept on cots in a tent in order to go and teach Sunday school. And then finally pulled a trailer to the church parking lot to live in, in front of the parsonage. Uh, in order to teach and share the gospel, to have an opportunity. I think when we look at that, we look at spiritual mothers, look at mothers who have a mission and a call, who are joyful in doing whatever it means to serve the Lord and to see the gospel go forward. And I am blessed, very blessed, to have been surrounded by a host of ladies 
uh, who have been faithful no matter what. Amen? Amen. 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 So we're going to look at... uh, a message that's not particular to women today, but one that is particular to us as a congregation and applies to, to us as we look to what the Lord is calling us to do. So I'm going to ask you to stand with me. We're going to look at Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9, and then uh, we will uh, pray, have a short time of fellowship together, and look at uh, the Word of God together. Verse 1, now it came about after the death of Moses, a servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, cross this Jordan, you and this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses from the wilderness to this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life, just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the promises of Scripture, and we pray, Lord, that you would speak to us out of this passage this morning as we look to the future. Lord, as a congregation, as a body of Christ, Lord, I pray that you will help us. Uh, God, this church is yours. Uh, Lord, we are yours. Many mission or ministry that we would do is yours, Lord, and we're grateful for the opportunity that we have to be able to serve in your kingdom. God, I pray that you would help us towards that end. Give us favor, Lord. Move upon us by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord. We thank you, God, for the opportunity we have to be together today. In the name of your precious Son, Jesus, we ask these things. Amen and amen. Remember, uh, as we as we work through the message on Sunday, I've, I've, I asked you a couple weeks ago, uh, last week, and just as you come to church on Sunday, just help... Uh, remind yourself, uh, about two hours is what we're asking, about 10 to 11. A lot of times we think we want to get in and get out. Uh, We want to build a community here. Uh, We want to encourage one another. We want to have time, just like we did this morning, for intercession and for prayer. And let's commit together uh, for these two hours, at least on Sunday morning, uh, to make time to uh, be uh, together and not get, not get antsy when the clock begins uh, ticking toward 11.30 or quarter to 12, okay? Uh, let's try to make that time uh, together and be praying for this time together. Uh, we want to see God's Spirit move, and God's Spirit is moving. Uh, we want to be obedient to Him. 
So last week we spoke about uh, how God used uh, the Passover and uh, the symbol of communion in uh, the, the New Testament as reflected in the symbol of communion in the New Testament uh, to remind the coming generation of his grace and power. We also uh, spoke about uh, the rocks that were taken up uh, out of the Jordan River and what that meant to the Israelites that when their children saw that memorial, there were questions that would be asked about what happened in the future, what happened in the past, and what that means for the future. We also talked about the own rocks of our own fellowship that uh, have been collected uh, to be a memorial for uh, future generations, and how we can speak about the grace and power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, uh, this morning in the book of Joshua, I want to pull back to. The beginning of uh, the book and over the next few weeks, uh, uh, work through the first four chapters uh, of this book as uh, I, have the, I have the opportunity to share with you uh, because I believe the Lord has a word for us uh, to hold on to, again, as we, as we look to the future as a fellowship of uh, believers. So when we look at verses 1 through 9, there's a few things that God's charge to Joshua is concerned with. One, it is that there was a specific piece of land that was promised to uh, the Israelites that God wanted them to take possession of. It's God's encouragement uh, to Joshua in his new role as Moses' successor and then it's also God's promise to be Israel's strong uh, protector. And in verses 6 through 9, which is where I'd like to focus us this morning, there are several areas there that uh, I believe the Lord uh, will speak to us about that will apply both to our fellowship and to us as individuals in fellowship with uh, one another. The first in verses 6 and 7 is... Uh, Courage, things, an area that I think the Lord is concerned about in our life is this notion and idea of courage. He, he says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers uh, to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Joshua was the instrument that God was going to use to lead his people into this promised land, to lead them to inherit the land that had long ago, uh, as we referenced last week, been promised to Abraham. And this command to be strong and courageous was identical to the one that had been uh, given to uh, Joshua uh, in the wilderness. This command to Joshua given by God uh, was the same command that was given in the wilderness by Moses, and that Joshua was to follow this, and he was to encourage the Israelites uh, to be strong and courageous as they entered into the land of Canaan. Uh, the Lord knew that if Joshua was weak and wobbly, then the cause of entering into the land would be in great danger. And God was telling Joshua that this promise that was to be inherited, this entering into the land, mind you that the land was uh, 
fully occupied, essentially. There were people, pagans, living all throughout the land, and you have this group of people who are sort of standing on the cusp of that, sort of looking over, and God says to them, be strong and courageous, and Joshua, their leader, be strong and courageous, but what they could see seemed overwhelming. And God knew that in the face of what seemed to be overwhelming, Joshua needed that word to be strong and courageous. To be strong and courageous is actually the understanding here is to be resolute, to let that strength grow strong within you, to stand firm and to keep standing firm. You see, there's times when God sets before you and me a task that seems insurmountable. But if you could accomplish it in your own might, you wouldn't need the Lord and would fail to trust him. And at the end of it, you would glorify yourself. I did this. I accomplished this. This is something that I did by the work of my own hand. When Gabriel spoke to Mary when he was speaking to her about the birth of the Lord, and she wondered, how can this even happen? How can this be? He says, with God, all things are possible. And I believe that often God sets before us those impossible tasks, things that only can be accomplished by his power. You may see them in your life, and the encouragement from the Lord to you and me today is to take courage. And so this is part of the reason for later setting up those rocks of remembrance in Joshua chapter 4, because we often must be reminded of God's power in the past so we remember it when we face the insurmountable in the future. As a church, I would speak to each one of us and say that God desires to stir in you courage to lead in areas that you may not have done before. Courage to take on a task bigger than what you imagine you are able to do. Courage to do what seems impossible. A couple of weeks ago, Brother Noel came to me and he said, I think that we are ready to begin Uh, launching out a Spanish congregation. Amen. Praise the Lord. We want to see that happen. And we began to pray for that on Sunday night. But it's going to take courage, both of the church at large and of our Hispanic brothers and sisters, to launch a Spanish congregation. We have to be in unity and pray for this to happen. I was reminded Sunday night when we were praying together, I was reminded of those uh, three days where we gathered and we prayed for uh, 24 hours around the clock during that time and in one of the early morning hours where I was here and praying and the Lord really impressed upon my heart in this place, a congregation full of people whose Spanish was their first language, worshiping the Lord together. And then as we were praying on Sunday night, the Lord reminded me that the chairs that we sit on came from a Spanish congregation in North Carolina. 
God reminding us people have worshipped on these seats before. People whose first language is Spanish has worshipped on these seats before. And God is calling us in our community to see a congregation raised up where Spanish language is spoken, where the Spanish songs are lifted up, or Spanish words from Scripture. I won't understand it, but I'm going to be there. I'm thinking, I don't, I'm going to take some classes because I want to understand. I want to know more because I want to be a part of what God is doing. But it will take courage. It's going to take courage. I think about Mike and Autumn and your leadership right now in the prayer ministry in Crozet. Last Sundays of the month, we gather at the Whistle Stop Grill and Mike and Autumn get there early and they begin moving tables and putting chairs in place and, and, and putting maybe some jackets over some uh, signs that maybe Christian people didn't really want to look at because they want to prepare an atmosphere from someone who has come along and said, hey, you can use this space and you can worship in this space. And what we want to begin doing is tilling the soil in there. But Mike and Autumn, it's going to take courage and it already has. It's going to take courage as we seek to lead and see something established in Crozet. Riverstone's future hinges on you and I taking courage for what God is calling us to do. Not despising that day of small beginnings. Not looking over and seeing the task that is insurmountable ahead of us and cowering back and saying, we can't do that. It's going to take courage for us to continue to minister in the downtown area. Right now, we're renting the facility at East High Street, and I wonder, what's that going to look like in the future? God, what are you saying to us? We're not seeing the type of fruit that we felt like we, we wanted to see in East High. The soil's been a lot harder than what we anticipated. God, what is going on, Lord? What are you speaking to us to do? And I'm convinced that we cannot lose our conviction and courage to see lost people in our city saved. We cannot. It's going to take courage for you and I to step into God's vision for this church's future. Courage. Together. Courage certainly applies to your personal life as well, but your personal life only in so much as it impacts God's people. Joshua had to be strong and courageous because God had a plan for him to lead God's people. When Joshua was strong and courageous to lead God's people, God's blessing, upon, God's blessing was upon Joshua personally. So I want you to think about that in terms of what God is speaking to you. You know, my older children are beginning that pathway of moving away from kind of mom and dad's hand on everything. And we're trying to guide that path in them. And one of the things that 
my wife and I will say to Seth and Sophia now is, what is God calling you to do? What is God speaking to you? Because uh, Seth, you may be a mechanical engineer, but that has to be used for God's glory. That has to be used for God's purpose. Sophia, what is God calling you to do? If God's calling you in a specific field, how is that calling being worked out in the context of what God is doing in a kingdom way? You can earn money at a myriad of different things. But how do we often think about it? I've got to do this job in order to provide for my family and then et cetera, et cetera. We don't think about this in terms of God is calling me to a specific task in order to be a blessing to God's people. Being strong and courageous in what God is calling you to do in order to be a blessing to God's people and what God has called you to do, do it with all of your might. What is your vocation today? Think about it. What is your vocation? What has God given that provides the income you need to live? What is your vocation? And how is that a calling to impact his people? See, often we just kind of separate it out. You know, the God box is over here and my personal box is over here. And these two really don't intersect very well. But as God's people, what God wants us to see is that these are one and the same. These are one and the same. And your calling, whether it be to be a, a, a businessman or whether it is an engineer or whether it is someone who's skilled in, in music or building or whatever it may be, that calling is for kingdom purposes. Have courage in what God has called you to do. And as you have courage in that vocation. It is a blessing to the kingdom. That's the point. That's the purpose. Everything that God has put in your hand to do is for the purpose of the upbuilding of his kingdom. But sometimes we get it backwards. God, bless me, bless me, bless me. Pray, God, bless your people, and God will use you as a vessel of blessing for his people. Amen. One person got it. <laughs> Courage. 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 The second part of verse 7, be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may have success wherever you go. Consistency, courage, consistency. Joshua had to be careful to do all that he had been taught and all that he had observed from Moses. Stay focused on the law and maintain your commitment to it, Joshua. It's pretty interesting here that God's instructions to Joshua were not about military matters. What was the task right ahead? 
What was the task when he was about to enter into the promised land? It was to conquer city after city after city after city. It's amazing to me that God did not tell Joshua, okay, Joshua, this is the military tactic for how you're going to go and how you're going to conquer all of these cities and drive them out. This is how it's going to happen. God doesn't tell him that at all. In fact, God says that the key to your success is spiritual and it's directly related to the degree that you obey God. God. The keys to his success were rooted in God's word, not dependent upon military might, but dependent upon obedience and consistency. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. And this is what I often see at times with uh, young people as you're starting out in your career, and it happens to older people as well, is you start out in a direction, you start out wanting to serve the Lord, and then you have someone on this side saying, come over here, come over here, or someone on this side saying, come over here, come over here, and you begin to look to the right, and you begin to look to the left, and you begin to wonder, is this really the path that God has for me? Don't turn to the right or to the left. Keep your focus upon what God has called you to do. Be consistent in these things. See, this is one of the things that we lack in our society today is consistency. Do you know the most people in all of American history over, I believe, the last month quit their jobs? Well, maybe there was a reason for that. But there are so many things going on around the world that are calling us to look over here and 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 look over here instead of keeping ourselves focused on the goal that is set before us. Consistency. God requires of his people that we are consistent in his word, but not simply study, also action, doing what he says. When we look at the church in the book of Acts, what we see prior to Pentecost is that they were faithfully fulfilling the words of Jesus. Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you have received the promise of the Father. And after Jesus ascended, the people in Acts 1 and 12 returned to Jerusalem, went to the upper room, stayed in one mind continually, and devoted themselves to prayer. They were obedient to do the things that God had called them to do. I thought about this this week, the importance of us as a people being consistent in the ministry of the word, in the ministry of prayer, in the ministry of sharing the gospel, in the ministry of welcoming the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I've thought about even as a church, because there are those of us within the church that by your gracious, generous giving that we are able to live in such a way that we don't have to have outside work at this time. And I thought, what are you paying us for? Because that's just the norm? What are you paying us to do? What does the Scripture talk about? What does the Scripture call ministers of the gospel and people who serve God's people to do? I 
can tell you one of the most important things that you can pay someone to do or you can help someone to do is to be consistent in the Word and in prayer. You want this church to grow? Find a team that's consistent in the Word and in prayer. Don't worry about all the other administrative stuff. That will happen. That will come out. And we can all point fingers and say, I wish this would be better. That would be better. This would be better. Okay, that's fine. We can all say that. Some of you are very gifted in that. And if you are, and just like the lady who was kind of complaining about the quilt stitching stuff and the lady's not showing up, we want you to show up and help us learn how to stitch those quilts a little better, okay? But that being said, I pulled... Luke, who helps us with our uh, digital things and Facebook and emails and all of those things, and Sandy, and I stood in her office and I said, I want you to know, while we are paying you to help us with certain tasks, you are also to be in prayer before the Lord and spend time in the sanctuary. And it is not a problem if we walk in and you're up front kneeling at the altar and in prayer. I'm happy for that to happen, and you ought to be happy for that to happen. We ought to be happy. I am thrilled when Brother Noel came in this week, and we were on Saturday, and we were having a meeting, and I'm not, he didn't ask me to tell this, but he told, but I'm telling it. <laughs> and he came in, and there was things happening here on Saturday that were, that were going on, but he came in to spend time in prayer and before the Lord. And he said, I'll go downtown and spend it at East High. I thought, yes, that's what we want. That's what we want to see. That's what this congregation wants to see. If we're going to see change in our community, if we're going to see change in our community, what we have to see is the extreme value of spending time in God's Word and time in prayer. It will change things. Courage, consistency, conviction. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. Joshua was to keep the word of the law on his lips. Meditate on it day and night. Think about it every day. Think about it all the time. Have it continually in his mind so that he may be careful to do all that is written, to act on that meditation thinking, praying, in my mouth, speaking God's Word. He was to be convinced of what God had said, convicted of what the Lord has said. God was not going to speak to Joshua what God had already spoken to Moses. Interesting, isn't it? God, give me a word. Give me a word, God. Give me a word. God, give me a word from you. I need a word from the Lord. Well, here it is, brother, sister. Find your word from the Lord. In fact, it was much easier to get a word from the Lord today than it was in Joshua's day. He didn't have it in this kind of place where he can open it up and read the duly inspired, authoritative word of God. You see, there's people who question and say, oh, this wasn't really inspired, a bunch of different people. It's not really authoritative. It's got errors and such. And what you must be convinced of and what I must be convinced of is that this is the word of the Lord. It is inspired. It is authoritative. And it speaks to every single situation that you or I may face.
the word of the Lord. Be convicted that God has given us his promises. God expected that Joshua would be convinced and convicted that what Moses had received and recorded was what God had said. In this day, it's interesting that meditation was done aloud, not in the mind. Joshua was to think, read, study, speak God's precepts and rehearse them aloud. As believers, we must be convinced of God's word. We must stand upon his good, impossible promises with conviction. You and I gather together as a church, as a church body, we must be convinced of the word of God. We must believe it to be true and to be truly inspired by the Holy Spirit. We must be convinced that there is no other way to have peace in this life. There is no other way to have peace with God than through his word, through the Lord Jesus Christ. And we are to follow his word faithfully. We must be convinced of that. Courage, consistency, conviction. I mean, these things, we can then engage in the conquest ahead that is point, appointed by the Lord. The second part of verse 8, it says, For then you will make your way prosperous, after you've had courage, after you have been consistent in the word, after you are convicted that this is truly God's word, then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As you are courageous, as you're in the law of the Lord day and night, living it out faithfully, as you speak my law aloud to yourself and to others, then you will have success in the conquest that I've put before you. When things look incredibly overwhelming, Joshua, do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord is with you wherever you go. This encouragement was not just so Joshua himself could be a better person. It was so that he could take action and lead God's people into God's promises. It wasn't simply so Joshua himself could sit back and say, man, things are going so well with me. Things are going really great. I'm in God's word. I'm in prayer. I believe his word. Boy, things are going well with me. This was so that God's grace and blessing were upon the life of Joshua in order that he would have success in the company of God's people. The promise that God would be with him was a promise for Joshua to act for the benefit of the Israelites. And the promises God has for you are not just so that you can enjoy them, but so that you can be a blessing to the people of God. I believe as a church that God has given us a promise, 
I believe that God is going to bring a revival in our city. I'm not just trying to hype it up. I'm not just trying to repeat it over and over again in hopes that we might believe it. But I can tell you, even in talking with other pastors in our community, that there is a stirring going on in God's people. There is a stirring that is happening in God's leaders. And there is going to be a shift that is going to come. And God is, I believe, going to pour out his spirit upon people in our community. We're going to see it. It's going to happen, but it requires you and I to be together, yes, in seeking God's blessing upon us, but so that we can be locked together as a people serving him faithfully. I believe that we stand on the banks of the Jordan at this moment, that we're looking over to the other side, that we see an Posing sight that we wonder if it is possible, which one of us doesn't question that Charlottesville would have a true and genuine revival. It's an impossible task. We can't do it in and of ourselves. We can't hang enough door hangers. We can't go door to door enough. We can't give away enough food. We can't give away enough clothes. It has to be a work of God's power and His Spirit. But God has called us to act by faith, to see the impossible, to see his presence go with us as we step foot in the waters and see the impossible made possible by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. This is what the future of this church is. We have often said, we've often talked about it, I've often thought about it. I am not willing to just do church as church has always been done. Not that that is necessarily bad or wrong or anything else, but I long to see God's presence and his power and his spirit and the transformation that is brought by God touching people and bringing them from brokenness to wholeness. We sing about it every single Sunday. We talk about it. But it's going to take some courage. It's going to take some consistency. It's going to take some conviction. And then it's going to take some movement on the part of all of us to see what God is calling us to do and to see the impossible become possible. Sister Lambert served for many years in whatever ministry the Lord uh, would provide. Um, I only knew her towards the end of her life. Uh, but um, seeing her serve in many, many different capacities was uh, a blessing. But she writes here, and then I, I will conclude. Early ministries in my life consisted of Christian work, which was not pulpit preaching. We can all do so many things which will bring glory to God. Sometimes the service we render in the work of the church, school, or home says a lot to the unbeliever or other Christian friends. Sunday school is a vital part of the church. Some feel called for Sunday school teaching. I've always enjoyed teaching Sunday school or doing anything else where a need existed. I was eager. I just wanted to serve somewhere. Some experiences I recall were not so productive, I suppose, but I tried. What a testimony 
of someone who has sought to live their life for the Lord. Hey, not everything's perfect, but I tried in every opportunity when I saw a need, and I enjoyed doing every bit of it. Stand with me as we pray together today. Lord Jesus, by your grace and by your mercy, I thank you for this example that you have given us. God, I realize my own limitations, and I don't want to sound like an angry preacher because I'm not an angry preacher. I'm passionate about these things, Lord. I am passionate about it. I want to see it at work in my own life. I want, I want to see some transformation in my own life. But I want to see that transformation for the good of this fellowship and what you're calling to do as we kind of look across the river and see the impossible. When I think about our, our country and the direction that it's going, when I think about so many things that are against the scriptures, against your word, I think, God, help us. It will never change. then I look and what do I see? If I truly believe your word, Lord, if I truly stand upon your promises, I see over and over and over again, God, that you take people who are weak and sometimes hard-headed, sometimes difficult to get along with, and you use those people for your glory to accomplish the impossible. And yes, I'm passionate about that, Lord Jesus. And so God, I pray today that you will help us. Help us, Lord Jesus, to see our lives, not as some individual who shows up to church and goes home, but someone who is part of the kingdom and everything that we are called to do is a kingdom purpose. It is for the purpose of the advancement of the kingdom. Help us, Lord, as a people to look around and to sense your calling and to have courage, Lord, in the future. I pray, God, you would help us as we participate in the body to be consistent in our calling, to not allow ourselves to be pulled away by the voices of the world, to eliminate from our lives the things that are pulling us away from your people that are pulling us away from your kingdom priorities. Lord, I pray that you will help us to have conviction about the promises of your word, to stand full of the power of the Holy Spirit, to stand firm upon your word, O oh God. wavering, not wondering, not stepping back, but firmly in your word, oh God.
God, I pray you would help us to not stop there, but to step into the conquest ahead, O oh Lord, to be diligent, to move forward. Lord, I pray you would help us. Lord, right now, as I see in our future, four areas, oh God, of Riverstone that we need your help with. And we intercede together, oh Lord. I pray, Father, for right here at home, right here at this place, oh Lord. God, that this would be that house of prayer. That this would be this place of intercession and seeking you, God. That you would bring people here who have a heart for you, Lord, to serve you in the harvest. God, I pray for that Spanish fellowship. I pray for that Spanish congregation that's going to grow. I pray, oh Father, you would fill every seat in this place, oh Lord Jesus. I pray, oh God, that you would do it for your own glory, Lord. That we would look back and say, that was impossible. That was, I had no faith that that could happen. But God, you did it. You did it, Lord Jesus. You did it, Jesus. God, I pray for Crozet, oh Lord. I pray, Father, for the ministry there, Lord Jesus. God, I pray you would open doors that that soil would become fertile, Lord, that there would be seeds that are planted, that the prayer effort and the energy that has gone in, Lord Jesus, that we'd see the fruit, Father, the buddy fruit, Father, of a fellowship there for your glory. You bless my brother and sister who are leading that effort, oh God. God, I pray for the ministry in the heart of our city. God, right now it is centered in one specific area, in that East High area, God. We pray as a people. Lord, if that's not the specific area that you're calling us to, Lord, make it very clear to us. But we know this, God, that you will open another door, another opportunity, Lord, in the city. Lord, we know from the very beginning, from the genesis of this church, Lord, you have called us to be an influence in our city. You have called us, oh God, to expand into the city. You have called us for that, Lord Jesus, as we stand here at Insurance Lane, Lord, like the Israelites were on the other side of the Jordan, looking over and saying, it's impossible, God. We stand here at Insurance Lane, looking at the city, saying, it's impossible. We don't understand, God. The ground is hard, but Lord, all things are possible. With you. Give us wisdom, God. The courage, the consistency, the conviction to move forward and see a conquest in the land for your glory. Let us be united together in that as a people. Even on this, this Mother's Day, Lord, that spiritually within us, you would birth that hope, oh God. That we will lay eyes upon the power of the Holy Spirit moving in the homes and the streets of our city and surrounding communities. Help us, Lord. We thank you, God, for your grace and mercy upon us today. And we pray, Jesus, 
Jesus, that you would be exalted in this place. Jesus, that you would be exalted in our hearts, oh God. Jesus, that your name would be ever upon our lips, that the words of Scripture, Lord, would not depart out of our mouth, but we would meditate on it day and night, that we would have success where you were calling us to go. So, Lord, we thank you this morning for your blessing upon your people. And, God, as we lift our voices in song here in just a moment, let it be a sign of unity and of one accord. Unity and in one accord, Lord, in the mission. Unity and in one accord of Jesus being Lord over us and following after him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. We thank you, Jesus. We exalt you today. Praise you for your grace, mercy, and goodness in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Let's lift our voices and song together.